Welcome to That's the Word, Wholesome Tales for the Whole Family. I'm Father James Yamauchi. Today's story, Weapon in Mass Production. Alex had traveled a long way to consult with this military, but the need was pressing. He and his colleagues had found a weapon that could turn the tide of the war. This weapon was capable of killing thousands or millions of the enemy, pushing it back from the front, allowing the regular troops to take back control. There was one problem with Alex's superweapon. There wasn't enough of it. He and his team could not produce enough of the superweapon to be effective against the enemy. Early on, they did a trial with the weapon. It performed marvelously. The enemy was falling back. But then the supply of the weapon ran out. The enemy regrouped and wiped out the opposition. Alex knew they needed much, much more of the weapon to be effective. The issue was that the weapon took far, far too long to produce and required far, far too many materials. There was a very low yield for this weapon compared to the amount of material that was put into it. That's why he had come to this country's military. He and his colleague wanted to find a way to produce the weapon more efficiently with greater return on investment for the amount of time and materials put into production. To their delight, the military saw the power of this new weapon and understood the importance of such a weapon to beat back the enemy. They would have a serious advantage on the battlefield. One of the first things they needed to produce this weapon was mold. Alex and his colleague had brought some usable samples smeared on the insides of their coats to prevent them from getting lost, broken, or damaged during their trip. But this mold did not produce much material for the new weapon. They needed better mold. They also needed better food for the mold. This country they came to for help was ready and able to provide. Researchers discovered that a corn byproduct helped the mold grow faster, far faster than they had seen before. This country was also prepared to implement unusual measures. The country's pilots were ordered, whenever they landed on a field, to collect some dirt and send it back to the researchers. The locals were also told that whenever they had moldy fruit, they should hand it over to the military. It was from one of these moldy cantaloupe that they discovered their perfect mold. It was effective and produced six times as much of the weapon. Alex and his colleagues had their weapon and they had enough quantities to deal damage to the enemy. 
While the United States military produced vast quantities of this weapon in preparation for D-Day, this weapon did not see widespread use on the Nazis. Instead, it saw widespread use on the Allies' own men. For this weapon was not a weapon to fight enemies of flesh and bone. This weapon was to fight enemies of the bacterial sort. The weapon that Alexander Fleming, Norman Heatley, and Howard Florey developed was not one to kill men, but to save them. Unlike many of the weapons developed during the World Wars, this weapon brought life where previously there had only been death. Bacterial infections that used to be a death sentence became no more than a nuisance, thanks to this life-saving drug, a drug discovered by Alexander Fleming when he had left the Petri dish uncovered and developed for mass production at the AG Lab in Peoria, Illinois, a drug called penicillin. And for this week, that's the word. So science and biology were never my top subjects, but history definitely is. So this is definitely a scientific historical event here. And one of the things we did not mention, some of the other important contributors to the development of penicillin, we mentioned, of course, Alexander Fleming and Norman Heatley, but there's also Ernst Chain. Howard Florey and Edward Abraham, and actually Fleming, Florey, and Chain shared the 1945 Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine for the discovery and development of penicillin. And the way that this came about, the reason why there's multiple people on this Nobel Prize is because Fleming was the one who discovered it originally. But just because you discovered something doesn't actually mean it's very useful to anybody. So Alexander Fleming had his Petri dishes out with some bacteria in them and went on vacation, came back, one of them wasn't properly covered up, and so there was this mold in there and it was killing the bacteria. And he thought, oh, that's really interesting. Hmm. So he did some research with this, published a paper, said, hey, I found this bacteria-killing mold. And what happened? Everyone said, oh, that's nice. And what about their business? It wasn't until quite a long time, maybe more than a decade, when the Second World War started to heat up, that anyone came back and said, I wonder if this could be used in humans in order to kill bacteria and kill infections. And so that's where people like Howard Florey and Norman Heatley came into play, is they were the ones who said, hey, well, why don't we use this on people? They started working with Alexander Fleming to distill the penicillin out of the mold so that they could use it in human patients. The first human subject that they tried penicillin on, who we mentioned in here, was when they did the test trial of penicillin, after animal testing, of course, was a police officer who had got his face scratched by a rose thorn. And talk about, we talk about the end of this, how penicillin has made it so that things that are nowadays just barely a shoulder shrug, back then were death sentences. So he'd gotten his face scratched with a rose thorn 
it became massively infected mm. and he was dying from it. So they started giving him penicillin and the penicillin worked. It was driving back the infection, but then they ran out of the penicillin. They couldn't produce it fast enough. It just took so much time and effort and stuff to produce that they couldn't produce it fast enough to get him enough penicillin to save him. And so he ended up dying from his infection. So that's one of the reasons why they go to the U.S. Britain at the time is fighting the Second World War, is trying not to get obliterated. Mm. U.S. has the material and the manpower and the research ability and the resources to research this fully. So Alexander Fleming and Norman Heatley go over to the U.S. and work with the U.S. government to develop penicillin into a usable medicine in mass. It's just really amazing when you think of the development of science, things not so long ago could be very lethal and deadly. And now, as you mentioned, and we mentioned the story, are not a problem at all thanks to the advances that we have today. If you enjoy That's the Word, please share the word. You can sign up for our weekly newsletter at sonsofthunderrock.com. That's also where you can find our social links in our email if you want to give us feedback or Give us story ideas. And if you want to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, I do hear that that helps us out. At the very minimum, it makes us feel good. Thanks for listening and join us next Wednesday for another wholesome tale for the whole family.